Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Uh, today's lesson will be called The Invitation to a Cross. The Invitation to a Cross, brothers and sisters. Today we will do a thorough examination of the rigorous course that is called the straight and narrow path. Brothers and sisters, in order to travel this path, it's going to take discipline, structure, and order. Today, we will count the cost of discipleship. Brothers and sisters, please follow us. Get your pen and your pad. If we're going too fast, brothers and sisters, pause the video or rewind the video and get the precepts. We're going to start at Luke chapter 9, verse 23, brothers and sisters. Luke 9, verse 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me. What did he say, brother? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And do what? And take up his cross daily and follow me. This is a strong statement, brothers and sisters. If you examine this, it says if you're going to come after Christ, you must do what? You must deny yourself, brothers and sisters. This is a picture of complete denial of one's desires and wishes. It's a call to absolute surrender, brothers and sisters, following him regardless of the cost to our personal lives. Can you read that again, Brother Joshua? Verse 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. The key part that I want you to analyze, brothers and sisters, is take up his cross daily. This is a daily battle, brothers and sisters. I can't, we can't push that ideology enough because no matter, you know, whether you get baptized, you know, you're Israel, the walk doesn't get easier, brothers and sisters. This is a daily battle, brothers and sisters. And you must be empowered. Why? Because following Christ can get you killed. Ask the disciples, brothers and sisters. Ask the disciples, following Christ can get you killed. If we meet the disciples in the heaven, you know, in the heavenly realm and we're all talking about how we've been persecuted, a lot of us will say, yeah, well, they, they didn't like my song at the choir, you know, uh, they were talking about me at my job. <laughs> the disciples are looking at you like, what? That's the persecution you dealt with? We were stoned. We were hung upside down. So we have to be ready, brothers and sisters. For the persecution, because we have not been persecuted like unto our brother, our, our brethren before time. This persecution we're dealing with now is a slight, but it will increase, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You must deny yourself daily. Brothers and sisters, it's a daily grind. It's a daily battle. And in order to carry this cross, we must be empowered, brothers and sisters. You cannot carry this cross daily without being empowered. Let's prove that. We're going to go to John chapter 1, verse 12, brothers and sisters. We're going to deal with the gospel. We're going to John chapter 1, verse 12, brother Joshua. John 1, verse 12. But as many as received him... Read that again. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Read that again, brother. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, 
even to them that believe on his name. Brothers and sisters, as many as believed in Christ, he gave power. So you can't have power unless you have a source, brothers and sisters. Some of us are having trouble keeping the lights on because you're unplugged from the source, brothers and sisters. See, those who receive Christ are empowered. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. To do what? To become the sons of God. To do what, brother? To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Further proof that you're, just because you're an Israelite through blood doesn't make you a son of the Most High or daughter of the Most High God if you don't receive Christ. <laughs> See? Because a lot of Israelites believe they're getting in based on being Israel, like it was in the Old Testament. That's That, that way have have been dissolved, <laughs> brothers and sisters. That's no That covenant no longer exists where you're going to get the promised land based on you being a child of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you don't receive Christ, you're not a son or daughter of the Most High. Why? Because many Israelites don't believe in Christ. <laughs> the longer you walk, brothers and sisters, you will come across, there's so many Israelite churches, there's so many Israelites who have been awakened to their identity but a lot of them don't believe in Christ, don't believe in Paul, don't believe in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. They'll pull scriptures out like in the Old Testament where it says there's one Savior and that's the Most High God. And I'm like, well, yeah, brother, who sent Christ? <laughs> the Most High sent Christ. Christ didn't come on his own, brother. So you'll, you'll run into that, brothers and sisters. And you're not a son of God. You're not a daughter of God if you don't receive Christ. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. See, brothers and sisters, you need power to carry that cross. You can only have power publicly when you're grounded privately, brothers and sisters. In order to be powerful publicly, you must be hooked up to the source. So we must have power from appropriate places, brothers and sisters. Some people, their power, they get from their job. Their power, they get from money. Their power, they get from women. It's like, their power, they get from working out in their body. Perhaps you get sick. How can you receive power from something that can change up at any minute, brothers and sisters? We must be empowered through Christ, brothers and sisters, in order to pick up the cross daily. So in order to be powerful publicly, we need to be able to go somewhere and privately strengthen ourselves. We need to be able to go somewhere and fall apart. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Isaiah, brother. Let's go to the Tanakh. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. We're going to read verse 29 through 31, brother. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Read that again, brother. He giveth power to the faint. To who? To the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Read. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Read that again, brother. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Brothers and sisters, that weight isn't, it's not talking about Terry. That weight is like a waiter. A waiter serves, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 31. But they that wait upon upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, that weight is like a waiter, which means to serve the Most High. If you serve the Most High, you shall renew your strength and mount up with wings as eagles. See, you shall run and not be weary. Why? Because you're serving the Most High God. You're serving Christ. Read verse 29 one more time, brother. Verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. See, he giveth power. You must be plugged up to the source, brothers and sisters. Guess what? You can have as many light bulbs as you want. If it's not plugged up to some electricity or to a power source, guess what? It's not going to work. So we must be plugged up to the source of power, which is the most high, brothers and sisters, which is Christ under the most high, brothers and sisters. Read it straight through, brother, please. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, brothers and sisters, you must serve the Most High in order to renew your strength. Which is showing us what? It's showing us there's a power in serving, brothers and sisters. See, you can only obtain power through submission, brothers and sisters. You must learn submission first so you don't abuse your power, brothers and sisters. And my personal preference is that in order to lead, you must first be led. If you cannot be led, if you cannot submit, you shouldn't be leading. Why? Because you don't know what it's like to be in submission. Therefore, a lot of times people will abuse their power because they don't know what it's like to be in the other one's shoes. So what are we showing you here, brothers and sisters? If you learn to submit, he will place you in leadership. Those who serve the Most High shall renew their strength, brothers and sisters. He give power to the faint. See? So in order to carry your cross daily, you must receive power from the source by serving the Most High, Ahiah, the great I Am. As it says in Exodus 3, 14, brothers and sisters. So what are we showing here? We're showing that you need to obtain power. The Most High doesn't have a problem with you having things. He wants you to have power. He doesn't have a problem with you having things. He has a problem with things having you, brothers and sisters. Why? Because then a lot of times people will regard the blessing rather than he who gave that blessing. So there's a difference, brothers and sisters. He doesn't have a problem with you having things. Don't allow those things to have you, brothers and sisters. Don't allow anybody to ever make you believe the Most High don't want you to have things. That's a fallacy, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew 7 and 13, because why do you need power? Why do you need to submit? Why do you need to serve the Most High? Why do you need to serve Christ? Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Do what, brother? Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction. That does what? That leadeth to destruction. And many there will go, and many there which go in threat. And thereat? And thereat. Read, brother. 
Because straight is the gate. Read that part again. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth on a life, and few there that find it. Read that last part again. And few there that find it. Brothers and sisters, what a provocative statement. Analyze that, brothers and sisters. Narrow. It says the straight gate is narrow. Narrow in the sense of having a particular requirement for entrance, brothers and sisters. One that will take us through hardships and difficult decisions. Read 13 and 14 one more time, brother. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. See, the most popular way is the way that leads to destruction. Look at what most people are doing, brothers and sisters. And if you follow that way, then you're going into the path of the pit. And many there which go in thereat. See, many will go there. Why? Because it's easiest. People want to do what's convenient for them. Christ said you must deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily. See, and, and many people don't want to do that. Brothers and sisters. Many people would rather <laughs> go through the wide gate. Where broad is the way. That leadeth to destruction. Why? Because they don't want to inconvenience themselves for the Most High God. Read verse 14, brother. Verse 14. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way. Read that part again, brother. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth on a life, and few there that find it. And few there be that find it, brothers and sisters. See? So, this is a call to live a lifestyle separate from the world, brothers and sisters. Where it says, few there be that find it, most people allow their passions and desires to dictate the course of their lives. You will not be able to deny yourself and pick up your cross daily if you are led by passion and desire, brothers and sisters. If you're led by the lust of the flesh, brothers and sisters. Christ gave you an invitation to the cross. Will you accept that? Will you RSVP that invitation, brothers and sisters? Let's go to James 4 and 7, brother. Because we read that it's a narrow and straight gate, brothers and sisters. It's a narrow gate, which means what? James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Do what, brother? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Why should we submit, brothers and sisters? Because it's a straight and narrow gate. <laughs> and it's going to take submission. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When it says submit, brothers and sisters, analyze that. Submit yourself therefore to the Most High. Submission is to submit to the mission, brothers and sisters. So you must have a mission bigger than us that we submit to. <laughs> there must be organizational order. Submission is not doing something you wanted to do anyway. That's not what submission is. Brothers and sisters, it means I have a mission important enough that I'm going to sacrifice my opinion to accomplish a goal. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, submission. Submit to the mission. You're trying to get into that straight and narrow gate. Therefore, you must submit your personal preference in order for the mission to be successful, brothers and sisters. 
And the Bible teaches us the principles of submission from an early age when we're bendable and pliable. We'll show you the Bible teaches submission from a, from an early age. Let's go to Ephesians, brother, to prove that. To prove that submission is critical to be a follower of Christ, to be on that straight and narrow path. It's taught throughout the Bible. We're going to read Ephesians 6 and 1 through 8, brother. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Brothers and sisters, the Bible teach you this even in the Old Testament. Children, obey your parents or submit to your parents, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the Most High God is a God of principles. If you can learn it on any level, you can learn it on every level. Once you learn eight notes on the piano, you have mastered the keyboard, brothers and sisters. Why? The whole keyboard is repetition of those eight notes. So what's true in one octave is true in another octave, brothers and sisters. In our numerical system, if you can count to 10, you can count to a million. Why? The law of repetition, brothers and sisters. If you can learn it on any level, you can learn it on every level. Our God is not a respecter of persons. However, he is a respecter of principles. Read that again, brother. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, that I may be well with thee. No, no, read, read all of two, brother. Verse 2. Honor thy father, thy father and mother. Which is the first commandment with promise. Which is the first commandment with promise. It's not the first commandment, but it's the first commandment with promise. So it's a couple things you have to analyze here, brothers and sisters. He starts with educating the children, not by challenging them to go beyond their world, but to deal with their small little world, which is do what your parents tell you to do. Submit. The first commandment with promise. What does that mean? When you go into Exodus, it tells you that a person... Matter of fact, we'll just let it read through. Read 2 and 3, brother. Verse 2. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that I may be well with thee, and, and, thou, live, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. Honor thy father, thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that I may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Brothers and sisters, that thou may livest long on the earth. That's the first commandment with a promise, brothers and sisters. So that means if I honor my mother or father, or if I don't honor my mother and father, then that would lead me to believe that that would shorten my lifespan. So that would terrify me to know that I trained a child to disrespect me. And because of their disrespect, their days will be shortened. So, if you're a parent out there, what, what a call. What a provocative scripture. Why? Because it shows you what loose training does, brothers and sisters. And you need not look past the front page of the newspapers to see what's the direct derivative of loose training, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 4. And... Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and a Adam, admonition. admonition of the Lord. So examine this here. I love the equality. I love the balance of the Most High. 
Because first he'll say, well, children, submit to your parents. And then he'll come and say, but ye fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. See, there's always equity with the Most High. He tells a wife to submit to your husband. But then he comes right back and tells the husband, love her like you love Christ. Or, or how Christ loved the church, rather. So what? That means it makes it easier to submit because there's a bubble of protection. A woman can submit. Why? Because she understands that you love her according to the Bible as Christ loved the church. See, the Most High, he's always equitable. I love the equity here. He tells the children to do what? To honor your father and mother. And then he then tells the father, listen, don't provoke your child to wrath. Read verse 4 again because there's something critical there, brother. Verse 4. And, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But do what? But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Examine that, brothers and sisters. This is key. If you read that closely, it shows you the difference between what the Bible tells us to do or directs us to do and what society is doing. Why? Because our society leaves the nurturing of the children to the mothers, which is a great concern. Why? Because children will ultimately emulate whoever the authority figure in the house is, brothers and sisters. See? So what we're doing is completely backwards. Now, are we saying a father needs to take over the mom's job? No. But we're saying a father should oversee and be involved in what, you know, what foundation is being instilled in his children. That's the complete opposite of what is transpiring now. Where we make it appear or seem as if, oh, well, you know, that's a woman's job to raise children, to nurture them. Not according to the Bible. Read it one more time, brother, please. Verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we're showing you the Bible is teaching what? Submission. Why? Because if you can learn it on any level, you can learn it on every level. He who is faithful in least will be faithful in much. And that's why the Most High was teaching us tithes, 10%. Throughout the Old Testament. Why? Because it's not about the money. <laughs> if you can do if you can tithe 10% of a dollar, you can tithe 10% of $10 million. It's the principle that he's trying to teach. It's not about the money. He can't do anything with your money. He gave you the money. But he's trying to teach you a principle, brothers and sisters. People will say, Well, I don't have enough money to tithe. And it's like, well, you're missing the whole <laughs> you're missing the whole thing he's trying to get to teach you. Brothers and sisters, you're missing the whole thing he's trying to teach you. Now, am I telling somebody they should tie? No, I'm showing you the principle that he was trying to teach. Brothers and sisters, why? Because if you learn it on any level, you can learn it on every level. So children that grew up in submission and obedience to their parents should easily or easier. It should be easier for them to obey and submit to the most high. Why? Because they're used to submitting to authority. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart, as on a Christ. Now, in, in, in today's environment, this could be as a job, an employee and an employer, brothers and sisters, right? Because in times past, 
the servant, sometimes he would work or he would owe a debt to a brother or a sister and would have to work that off no longer than seven years, but nevertheless to be provided or to gain cattle or land from a particular family, he would serve them. Today, we can call that employment. Read verse five one more time, brother. Verse five, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear, trembling, and singleness of your heart, as on a Christ. See, so here he goes again, teaching what? The principle of submission within the workplace, brothers and sisters. And guess what? If you want to be a witness for Christ, the best thing you can do on your job to be a witness for Christ is to do your job. That's the best thing you can do. We'll prove that. Read verse 6, brother. Verse 6. Not with eye service as men, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will, will of God from the heart. Continue. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Read that part again. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. See, brothers and sisters. So what is this showing you? Somebody can't say you're a, you know, you're, you're, you're a suck up, you know, you suck up to, to your boss. No, I'm not doing this for my boss. I'm doing this because I'm a man of God. <laughs> and everything I do, I do as service unto the Lord. <laughs> See, so somebody can't say, well, you know, you, you just, you know, you just try to suck up to the boss. It's like, brother... I'm not doing this for the boss. I'm doing this because I'm a man of God. And my God teach me to submit to authority. <laughs> Unless they're telling me to do something wrong. See? Read verse 6 again, brother. Verse 6. Not with eye service as, man, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that Whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord. The what? The same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. See, brothers and sisters? So he's telling you, well, you're not doing it to please a man. You're doing it to please God. Because why? Everything I do, I do with Christ in mind to be a witness. So he's showing you, even if somebody is not standing over you, we illustrate our ability to be trusted by how we act when no one's looking, brothers and sisters. See? So somebody can't come to you and say, well, you're just a, you're just a goody two-shoes. You, you're just trying to get favor. It's like, brother, I don't, favor from who? God teach me to be this way. And the best witness you can be on your job is to do your job as a representation of Christ. So if, you're, if your lunch, you know, it's 45 minutes. Don't take an hour and 15 minutes. Don't take shortcuts. Do it like no one's looking. Why? Because you're doing the will of the Most High God from the heart. And the key is verse 8. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord. The same what? The same shall he receive of the Lord. See, and a lot of times we get angry. I've seen people leave a church because they say, well... Uh, you know, they're not using my gift. They're not, they're not allowing me to, you know, use my gift. And then you'll have other people leave a church and say, well, yeah, all they wanted to do was use my gift. They were using me. And it's like, well, hold on. The Most High says, if you do the right thing, you shall receive good things, not from the person you do the right thing to, but from the Most High. <laughs> 
See? So if you're trying to do something for somebody else to, you know, give you some type of reward, you're doing it wrong. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 8. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. See, you receive your reward from the Most High, not from man or woman. So rather you whether you believe, you know, I was more faithful or I was a better friend or, or whatever the case may be, and they didn't give me that same thing, listen, you're not doing it for that. What you receive, you're going to receive from the Most High. And guess what? Sometimes the Most High is going to pay you handsomely. And somebody can't then come and say, well, you know, you shouldn't be getting that much. Or you shouldn't get that. Listen, if the Most High gave me that, he's going to give me what he believed I deserve. Whether it's a penny or it's a hundred pennies. So you must be okay with that. Whether he give you a king's ransom or he give you a penny. You must be okay with that. And once you are okay with that, he will elevate you. But you must submit first. Why? Because new levels bring new devils, brothers and sisters. That's what happens. So he will promote you based on your tolerance of pain, your tolerance of being uncomfortable. He teaches submission all throughout this chapter, all throughout the Bible, in fact. Why? Because it's a straight and narrow path. And if you can't submit to his instruction, you're going to fall off that path, brothers and sisters. Now, brothers and sisters, please follow us to the Apocrypha. We're going to go to 2nd Ezra, chapter 7, verse 7. We wanted to show you that the Bible teaches submission, excuse me, in all contexts. Why? Because... If you can learn it on any level, you can learn it on every level, brothers and sisters. God is a God of principles. Second Edger 7, verse 7. The entrance thereof is narrow. Read that again, brother. The entrance thereof is narrow, and it is, and it is set in a dangerous place to fall. Like as if there were a fire on the right hand, and on the left hand, and on the left a deep water. Read. And... One only path between them both. Read that again. And one only path between them both, even between the fire and the water. So small that there could be one man go there at once. So small that one uh, there could be what, but one man or woman go there at once, which means what? Which means you can only get yourself into this kingdom. You can't get in your brother. You can't get in your sister. You can't get in your mother and father. You can't get in your husband or your wife. This path is so narrow, you will only be able to go yourself. And that's the key. No matter how much we love somebody, it's their prerogative, it's their responsibility to take the proper steps to potentially lead them to this narrow path, brothers and sisters. See, no matter how much I love brothers and sisters, only thing I can do is be an example, be a leader by doing it first. <laughs> Not telling them what to do. Do it and then show them. See? The principle of obedience and submission is non-negotiable. Why? We're going to show you why. Read 7 and 8 again, brother. 2nd Ezra 7, verse 7. The entrance thereof is narrow, and it is set in a dangerous place to fall. Like as if there were a fire on the right hand, and on the left hand a deep water. That's why, brothers and sisters. <laughs> That's why you need obedience and submission in his direction. If you've ever seen that movie, uh, 
the Matrix. I think it was the first Matrix when um, the guy who plays Neo, I think his name is uh, Keanu Reeves, and he was in an office building, and Morpheus, the, uh, the the black man, was on the phone with him telling him, okay, turn here, duck here, get under the table there, go out this window. He was directing him, brothers and sisters, and everything he d directed him to do kept him in safety. So that means you have to submit. Submit means submit to the mission. There's a mission that in order to you obtain, for you to obtain that goal, you must submit to direction. See? Read 7 one more time, brother. Verse 7. The entrance thereof is narrow, and is set in a dangerous place to fall, like as if there were a fire on the right hand, and on the left a deep water, and only one path between them both, even between the fire and the water, so small that there could be one, but one man go there at once. Continue, brother. If this city now were given on a man for inheritance, if he never shall pass the danger set before it, how shall he receive this inheritance? See, brothers and sisters, we must go through this path. We must go through the path and stay away from the danger in order to obtain the inheritance, brothers and sisters. See, this is the invitation here. There's an invitation to this inheritance, but you must pick up your cross daily. And deny yourself. This path is so small that on either side there's fire in a deep water. See, brothers and sisters? That's why Christ, that's why Paul, that's why Moses, that's why the, the entirety of the Bible teaches submission. Because if you can't submit, you will not make it into this kingdom, brothers and sisters. See? It's non-negotiable, submission, surrender, obedience, all things that this world do not want to hear. That's why it says few will be there that find it, brothers and sisters. Many people will not deal with this, and that is okay. That is okay. So we've now dealt with the narrow path. We've read about the broad path, and that broad road represents a way of living designed by Satan. So you have a choice to make. Brothers and sisters, will I deny myself? Will I pick up my cross daily, brother or sister, and do what? Take that narrow path with the cross on my back. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, brother Joshua. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Hebrews 12 and 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us what? Let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. That one sin. We all have that one sin that takes us off the path, brothers and sisters. We all have that one sin. And in order to conquer and master that sin or desire, we must never change our view of its sinfulness. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the, ra the race that is set before us. See, brothers and sisters, it says that sin that easily beset us. The other thing it says, lay aside every weight. Why? Because on this narrow path, that weight can sway you to that deep water, or into that pit of fire, brothers and sisters. 
that sin that which that sin which doeth so easily beset us. We must never change our view of that sinfulness. Why? Because sin is sneaky, brothers and sisters. It's so easy to begin tolerating it. Read that one more time, brother. Verse one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us do what? Let us lay aside every weight. Anything that hinders our ability to effectively run. And the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Brothers and sisters, run with patience. See? So, there's many things, including sin, that's a weight to hold us back, brothers and sisters. The cares of the world, worry, lust. All these things that Satan will use to beset us, brothers and sisters. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about that invitation to a cross, brothers and sisters. That invitation to a cross, the cost of discipleship. We're going to go to 2nd Ezra 16 and 76. Why? Because it spoke of lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. So we have to go prove that sin is heavy. Sin is a weight, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 2nd Ezra 16 and 76, brother. 2nd Ezra 16, verse 76. And the God of them who keep my commandments and precepts, said the Lord God, let not your sins weigh you down. Read that again. Let not your sins weigh you down, and let not your iniquities lift up themselves. Brothers and sisters, sin's burden is heavy if you truly understand its effects. It weighs us down with guilt, uh, with shame and frustration. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 76. And let the God of them who... And let the guide of them who keep my commandments and precepts, said the Lord, let not your sins weigh you down, and let not your iniquities lift up themselves. Woe be unto them that are bound with their sins. Read that part again, brother. Woe be unto them that are bound with their sins. Bound by their sins. You have to analyze that, brothers and sisters, because it's showing you the allure of sin is used as bait and afterwards detains us. It puts handcuffs on you. Like it has a warrant for your arrest. And covered with with their iniquities like as a field covered over with bushes. Read 77 from the top, brother, please. Verse 77. Woe be unto them that are bound with their sins. And covered with their iniquities like as a field is covered over with bushes. And the path thereof covered with thorns that no man may travel through. Brothers and sisters, that straight and narrow path will have thorns. (laughs) covered when you become bound by your sin. So these scriptures illustrate the seductive yet destructive power of sin, brothers and sisters. See? Satan uses sin as an impediment to the narrow path. Read, uh, Read it straight through, 76 through 78, brother. 2nd Ezra 16, verse 76. And the God of them who keep my commandments and precepts said the Lord God, let not your sins weigh you down, and let not your iniquities lift up themselves. Woe be unto them that are bound with their sins, and covered with their iniquities, like as a field is covered over with bushes, and the path thereof covered with thorns, 
that no man may travel through. It is left undressed and is cast into the fire to be consumed therewith. Brothers and sisters, the key thing you have to examine here is woe be unto them that are bound with their sins. That's key. Sin is a snare. It's a trap that detains you after you've taken a piece of it. Once you've tasted that sin, you will become bound. We're going to prove that. That's the deceitfulness of the sin. Let's go to Proverbs 29 and 6, Brother Joshua. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. The invitation to a cross. Proverbs 29, verse 6. In the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare, but the righteous does sing and rejoice. Read that one more time. In the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare. There is a what? There is a snare. The snare is that the sinner is caught and held fast by his sins, brothers and sisters. Why? It becomes a habit which he or she is unwilling or unable to break, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. In the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare, but the righteous does sing and rejoice. Brothers and sisters, if you analyze that closely, it's showing you that one sin leads to another sin. And a man is snared by the work of his own hands and is implicated and held in the cords of his own iniquity, brothers and sisters. See, that sin is a snare on that path, that narrow path, brothers and sisters. You must never change your perception of the sinfulness or the deceitfulness of that sin, brothers and sisters. It's an enemy. It's a snare. It's a trap that Satan will use to keep you off of that straight and narrow path, brothers and sisters. Further proof. Let's go to Job, brother. Follow us, brothers and sisters. We're going to Job chapter 8. Excuse me. Job chapter 18, verse 8. Job 18, verse 8. For he is cast into a net by his own feet. What does that say, brother? For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walketh upon a snare. See, brothers and sisters, we must do what? We must see sin accurately. Read verse 10, brother. Verse 10. The snare is laid for him in the ground, and a trap for him in the way. Brothers and sisters, a snare or a trap or sin stops us from moving forward with the Most High God. Brothers and sisters, he is cast into a net by his feet. What does a net do? A net restricts you where you're unable to do what? To escape or to progress. When the disciples threw out a net for fish, what does it do? It catches you. It restricts you. See? Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apographer. 21 and 2, Brother Joshua. Chapter 21, we're going to start at verse 2. Ecclesiasticus 21, verse 2. Flee from sin as from the face of a serpent. Do what, brother? Flee from sin as from the face of a serpent. Brothers and sisters, the key word is flee. Why? Because fleeing involves effort. It involves straining. It involves speed. When you flee, it's because you need to experience safety from a potential threat. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. Flee from sin as from the face of a serpent. A serpent. For if thou comest too near it, it will bite thee. 
the teeth thereof, or as the teeth of a lion, slaying the souls of men. Doing what? Slaying the souls of men. See? So flee from the presence of evil because it's foolish to blatantly put ourselves at risk in a detrimental environment, brothers and sisters. Where there's sin going on, you must flee. Not hang around and say, you know what, I want to test my, my spiritual fortitude to hang around sin. <laughs> no. Flee. Flee from the presence of evil. Read uh, that one more time, brother. Verse 2. Flee from the sins as from the face of a serpent. For if thou comest too near it, it will bite thee. The teeth thereof are as the teeth of a lion, slaying the souls of men. See, you must flee from the f sin as the face of a serpent, brothers and sisters. See, don't think you've overcome it. And therefore, you know what, I, you know, I, I don't have that struggle anymore. So I can hang around people doing this or the environment. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 3, all iniquities as a two-edged sword. Read that again. All iniquities as a two-edged sword. The wounds thereof cannot be healed. It's a two-edged sword going up and down, brothers and sisters. It's many ways to get you. This iniquity, this sin, being near it, putting yourself in an environment to be near a serpent is not wise, brothers and sisters. It's not wise. We're going to show you why. In order to stay on this narrow path, you must flee from iniquity, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. Let's go to Romans 13 and 14, brother. What does that say? Romans 13, verse... Yes. Verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Christ, and make not provisions for the flesh. Do what? Make not provisions for the flesh. Do what? Make not provisions for the flesh. Brothers and sisters, make not provisions of the flesh. Why? Because anyone who deliberately allows himself to linger in a tempting situation is making provisions for his own fall. See? That's what it means when it says make not provisions for the flesh. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Christ and make not provisions for for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof to do what to fulfill the lust thereof see if you understand what provokes the itch you can prevent the scratch brothers and sisters that's what this is showing us you must actively engage in preventative measures to tranquilize that desire brothers and sisters see so if we understand what's flammable we can keep away from that match see brothers and sisters you must understand this. Okay, what in me, what environments, what thoughts, what people provoke certain actions in me? See, brothers and sisters, this is what somebody who's spiritually mature does. Make not provision for the flesh. Why? Because you haven't overcome sin. No matter who you are or how long you've known your Israel and you've been baptized 42 times, you still have not overcome sin. Until the end, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that to you. Read that one more time. We'll move forward, brother. Verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Christ, and make not provisions for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. See, make not provision for the flesh, brothers and sisters. See, I'm not going to go to a strip club. <laughs> Why? Because it's easy to sin there. See? I'm not going to be around knowing, you know, somebody had a problem smoking reefer 
I'm not going to hang out at the, uh, um, at the reef of man's house. <laughs> Don't make provisions for your flesh. Okay? We're going to prove that. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother. We're going to Ecclesiasticus 37 and 27. Because why? We're dealing with the lesson. Invitation to a cross. And what it means to deny yourself and take up that cross daily. Ecclesiasticus 37 verse 27. My son, prove thy soul in thy life and see what is evil for it. And do what? And see what is evil for it and give not that unto it. See, brothers and sisters. <laughs> see, he said in the previous scripture, make not provisions for your flesh. Now he's saying what, brother Joshua? Prove thy soul in thy life and see what is evil for it. Do what? And see what is evil for it. And give not that on it. See, it's a call to give attention and effort in finding our weaknesses, brothers and sisters. See, so if you don't master the, you know, the weaknesses, Satan will exploit the weaknesses, brothers and sisters. So we must acknowledge our shortcomings, whatever they may be. Why? Because too often people either try to pretend their vulnerabilities don't exist or cover up any pitfalls in their life. He's saying, prove thy soul in thy life. See what makes you itch. Therefore, you can prevent that scratch. See, brothers and sisters, this is part of knowing yourself, examining yourself. And if you cannot examine yourself, you're not going to make it on this straight and narrow path. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 27. My son, prove thy soul in thy life and see what is evil for it and give not that unto it. For all things are not profitable for all men. Read that again, brother. For all things are not profitable for all men. Neither hath every soul pleasure in everything. What is this talking about, brothers and sisters? Where it says, all things are not profitable for all men. This is showing you that one man's temptation may not be another man's temptation. One sister's temptation may not be another sister. So you can't look at another man and say, well, uh, you know, because he's around this or he does this, then it's okay for me. No. Each person have their own soul that they must prove. Every man and woman must see what's evil for their own soul. Okay? Don't look at another man or another sister and say, well, you know, he hang out at the strip club and he's a faithful man. <laughs> okay? All things are not profitable for all men. So what's good for me may not be good for another brother. Why? Because... He may be stronger than I am, or I may be stronger than he is to be able to be around certain situations and not fall. But nevertheless, flee from sin like the face of a serpent. Make not provisions for your flesh. It says, prove thy soul in thy life and see what's evil for. See, see what environments, what thoughts, what people provoke something evil. Out of you, brothers and sisters. See? And this is a lifelong commitment to prove thy soul in thy life. See, this is work. This is mastering yourself. Let's prove that. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother. Same book. Different chapter. We're going to Ecclesiasticus chapter 18. Brothers and sisters, we'll read verse 20 through 22. Ecclesiasticus 18, verse 20. 
Before judgment, examine thyself. What did that say, brother? Before judgment, examine thyself. Before judgment, examine thyself. See, we need self-examination to combat the spiritual deception rampant in the world. Why? Because we can only be seriously tempted by what we desire. That's why he said, prove thy soul in what is good for it, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 20, before judgment, examine thyself. And in the day of visitation, thou shalt find mercy. See, it says, examine yourself, okay? Because on that day, you will not have time to start doing examinations, okay? You will not have time to say, oh, okay, well, now I know my weaknesses and, you know, I'm going to try to stay away from it now. No, you had your whole life <laughs> before judgment, examine thyself. Read 20 and 21 again, brother. Verse 20. Before judgment, examine thyself, and in the day of visitation thou shalt find mercy. Humble thyself before thou, thou would be sick, and in the time of sin show repentance. Humble thyself before thou be sick, showing you what? <laughs> sins, unrepented sins, lead to sickness, brothers and sisters. Read. Verse 22. Let nothing hinder thee to pay thy vow in due time. Read that again, brother. Let nothing hinder thee to pay thy vow in due time. And defer not until death to be justified. See, defer not until death to be justified. Why? Because people know that something is wrong and then try to put it off and say, well, yeah, I mean, I know it's wrong, but, I, you know, I'll get it together. <laughs> it's like, that's a demon. How do you know it's a demon? Because you want to be right now. Who doesn't want to be right now? <laughs> That's a demon saying, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll get it together before Christ. It's like, what? Who's Only a demon would say, yeah, I know I'm dealing with sin, but, you know, I got time to deal with it. It doesn't make any sense. A man or a woman, a righteous man or woman, they want to be right now. Read 22 again, brother. Verse 22. Let nothing hinder thee. To pay thy vow in due time and defer not until death to be justified. See, because I remember when I was young, many Christians thought, you know what? I'm going to just do dirt <laughs> all through life. And then right before I die on my deathbed, you know, I'm going to just uh, ask for forgiveness. You know, I'm going to do dirt every day, though. But when I'm on the hospital bed and I'm about to die, then I'm going to ask Christ to come into my life. And it's like, if you do that. When you close your eyes for the last time, you're going to wake up in the midst of fire. <laughs> the Most High is not going to allow you to do dirt purposely and then say, okay, God, forgive me, and then die and think you're going to heaven. Don't work like that. It don't work like that. Before judgment, examine yourself. And in the day of visitation, thou shalt find mercy. See? Now, why is it saying examine yourself? Because we can only seriously be tempted by what we desire. Temptation is not something that just happens to us. It's something that happens within us, brothers and sisters. So the most effective way to fight sin is by changing our desires, brothers and sisters. And this is a lifelong battle because our natural nature is to sin. You have never overcome sin. It's not like, yeah, you know, I'm over sin. I don't have those struggles anymore. You will have that struggle until Christ come, brothers and sisters. So before judgment, examine yourself. And in that day of visitation, you'll find mercy. 
22 says, let nothing hinder you to pay that vow in due time. Don't let something stop you from changing. Don't defer unto death to be justified. You work on it now. Prove thy soul in thy life. What is good for it and what is evil, keep away. See, so he's telling you there's something in you that you're going to fight with every day. See, this is a daily battle. Pick up your cross daily. We're going to show you why. Paul illustrates this flawlessly. We're going to go to Romans 7 and 14 to show you that Paul dealt with this, this fight, this struggle within himself. We're going to read Romans chapter 7. We're going to read 14 through 25. Take your time, Brother Joshua, because the way that Romans is written is very, very hard if you don't take your time. It's written almost backwards because he was a Benjamite, which means today he would have been from the West Indies, a Jamaican. Sometimes Jamaicans... (laughs) <laughs> they speak backwards. <laughs> so anytime, brothers and sisters, you read Romans, you have to take your time. Don't run through it because you will miss it. That's why many pastors don't, you know, go into a lot of Romans. They don't understand it. Uh, we're going to read Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 25, Brother Joshua. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. See, so he's admitting immediately that the laws of God are spiritual, but our flesh is carnal. Read, brother. For that which I do, I allow not. Read that part again. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, for, for what I would, but I do, I not. Read that one more time, brother. Take your time. Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So what is this showing, brothers and sisters? He's saying, I'm doing things I don't really want to do. (laughs) He finds it confusing or rather perplexing. He finds himself doing what he hates. He finds himself doing what he knows is wrong. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. Well, what I hate, that I do. See, what I hate is what I find myself doing. Look at the beginning of 15. It says, for that which I do, I allow not. I don't want to do what I'm doing. He's fighting something here. Read verse 16, brother. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not. Read that again. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law. That it is good. See, so he's already consented that the law is good. So what is he showing? He's saying, I would like to do what the law requires, but he finds himself doing otherwise. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that that it is good. Continue. Now then it is no more I that do it. But sin that dwelleth in me. Read that again, brother. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. See, so he's already consented that the law is good. And he's doing what he really doesn't want to do. So he's saying, that's not me, it's the sin that's within me. He finds himself moving in unexpected and unwanted directions, brothers and sisters. Now this is Paul. 
He wrote the majority of the New Testament, and he's fighting this, brothers and sisters. So for a man or woman to say, well, yeah, I've overcome sin, that's not a struggle I have to worry about. You're getting ready to get bit by that serpent because you don't have a healthy respect for it. You think that it's easy. You think that you've overcome it. Satan will wait for you to be vulnerable and then attack. See? So Paul is showing you, if I do what I don't want to do, and I've already consented that the law is good, then it's not me that actually is not doing it. It's the sin that dwell in me. We all have this sin within our heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9 say the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Why? Second Edgers uh, tell you, first Edgers rather, tell you that we all were created with a wicked heart because of the sin of Adam. All of Adam's children have the natural inclination to want to do what's wrong. See? Read verse 18, brother. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. So, to do what's right is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. See? So he's saying, I know what's right, but I can't bring myself to do it. I can't overcome my flesh to do what I know is right. Look how deep this is, brothers and sisters. Paul was a deep, deep brother. And he was honest and he was humble. This is humility here. Him saying, you know, being a Pharisee, knew the law. Being a high-ranking man. that I'm fighting with this. I fight with this every day. I know what's right, but something in me is telling me to do something else. And for a man or woman to act like they don't have this or it's above them because they know they're Israel. Paul knew he was an Israelite from birth. Okay. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. See, I know what's right. I know the law, but for some reason I can't bring myself to perform what's right. For the good that I would do, I do not. Read that again. For the, for the good that I would do, I do not. So the good that I want to do, I don't do. But the evil which I would not, that I do. But the evil which I don't want to do is what I'm actually doing. Read that again, brother. Verse 19. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would, I would, that I do. No, no, read, take your time, read 19 one more time, brother. Verse 19. For the good that I would, that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. See, the evil that I would not do, that I don't want to do, is what I find myself doing. See, brothers and sisters, this take a lifelong fight. A daily battle to fight this, to pick up that cross, brothers and sisters. Because this is what you're fighting against. And see, most people don't want to do this. They're like, you know what? It's too hard to deal with that. I, it take too much, you know, it take too much, um, you know, time. Take too much work to fight against myself. I'd rather not do it. I'll just, you know, do whatever my heart lead me to do. You're not getting in. Nor do you deserve to get in. I don't want you there. That's for sure. Because if you can't go through the rigorous course that every other man and woman is going to go through to follow Christ, I don't care who you are. You can be a brother, a sister, it don't matter who you are. 
You don't deserve to get in if you're not willing to fight this like Paul fought it. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 20, please. Verse 20. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it. Read that again, brother. Now, if I do that, I would not. If I do what I don't want to. It is no more I that do it. It's not really me doing it. But sin that dwelleth in me. See? So he's saying sin that dwelleth in me. He's acknowledging his weakness, brothers and sisters. <laughs> See? You must be able to acknowledge what your weakness is. You must find out what provokes that itch so you can prevent that scratch, brothers and sisters. See? Uh, somebody who was a drug addict before need to know it's certain environments, certain thoughts, certain locations, locales that lead me to want to do pick up that heroin again. Pick up that ganja again. Pick up that crack cocaine again. See? Same thing with everybody else. There's certain thoughts, certain locations, certain people that will bring that sin that dwell within you out of you. Read verse 20 again, brother, please. Verse 20. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it. But sin that dwelleth in me. Now, brothers and sisters, if you can acknowledge and identify that it's sin that dwell within you, if it's present, you know what to work on. If you know that the sin is present, you know what to work on, brothers and sisters. Read verse 21, brother, please. Verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present within me. Read that one more time. Verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, Evil is present with me. Even when I do good, <laughs> evil is present with me. What is this showing, brothers and sisters? This is deep here. Because he's showing you that even when I do what's right, evil is still there. <laughs> See, brothers and sisters, even when doing good, evil is present. So while Paul wants to do what's good, he finds evil lying and hiding, ready to ambush his noblest designs. How? Because if you have to make a decision to do what's right, there have to be evil there because you had to make a decision. You didn't just do what's right. You made a decision to do what's right. The fact that there's a decision shows you there's evil there. See, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21. Verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, he says, I delight in the law that, you know, for my inward man, my spirit. But I see another law in my members. Brothers and sisters, Paul is conscious of a war going on inside of himself. Okay, read that again, brother. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. See, brothers and sisters? See? Fighting against yourself. You're, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, brothers and sisters. So Paul is conscious that there's a battle. My mind is telling me, don't do that. But my body is telling me, yes. I think there's a song uh, about that. My mind is telling me, you know, no. My body is telling me, yes. That's biblical. Brothers and sisters. See? Your mind know what's right. Your flesh is craving for iniquity. It's craving for lust. 
That's why he said, prove thy soul. See, you must prove what's good for your soul and what's evil and stay away from it. Because why? Every man and woman is fighting the same battle that Paul is illustrating, brothers and sisters. Everybody. Doesn't matter if you know you're Israel or you've been baptized 26 times. You're still dealing with this. Each and every man and woman. And it's a daily grind. It's a daily battle. That's why Christ said, pick up your cross daily. Because this this fight within your members, don't go away after you get baptized. Don't go away once you know the Most High's name. Don't go away because you know you're an Israelite. See? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 23. Uh, yes, sir. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warning against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. He's calling himself a wretched man. Look at the humility here, brothers and sisters. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. So what? So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. So with my mind, I serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. See, brothers and sisters, you will always battle your mind or your spirit versus your flesh. And Paul understands this. He said, I must keep this thing at bay. Why? Because nonstop, it's always there. None can escape the sin of Adam, brothers and sisters. With his mind, he's a slave to the law of the Mosah. But with his flesh, he's a slave to the law of sin. Paul was a deep brother. And for anybody to act like they're beyond this stage <laughs> is being disingenuous. You're not beyond this stage. I don't care how many, uh, you know, I don't care how many people you've taught, you know, how many laws you know, how many, you can have fringes coming out of your nose. You're still fighting this battle. See? Let's go to James 1 and 14, brother. Followers, brothers and sisters, to the New Testament. James 1, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. When what? When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When he's drawn away of his own lust. <laughs> now you're seeing when the Bible said, Ecclesiasticus said, everything is not profitable for everybody. Why? Because something that may tempt me may not tempt Brother Joshua. Something that tempt Brother Joshua may not tempt Brother me. So what is it showing you, brothers and sisters? Temptations vary according to the weaknesses of each person. What may be an easy self-denial for one may be tough to resist for another. That's why he said, prove what's evil for thy soul and give not, to, give not into it. Read that again, brother. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. See, so this is what it's talking about. When it says, make not provisions for the flesh. See? Because why? If a man desires long enough, the consequence is virtually inevitable. Desire becomes action. So when you understand certain things that provoke a reaction out of you, you have to flee. Like 
a fa- like the face of a serpent, brothers and sisters. This is the only way to make it on this straight and narrow path. See, you must identify what your weakness is like Paul did. Test what's good for you, what's not good for you, and then stay away from it. Why? Read verse 15, brother. Verse 15. Then when lust hath, lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See, when that lust has conceived, see, when you're in that environment amongst things that have you lust, it's going to bring forth a sin. And that sin, when it's done, is going to bring forth death. Why? Because Romans tell you the wages of sin is death, brothers and sisters. Make not provisions for the flesh. This is part of your growth. See? You understand what certain things provoke a response out of you, whether that's you dealt with an anger problem, and, you know, if somebody attacked you and you feel like you have to respond, you may get angry and it may lead to fisticuffs. See, it's learning yourself. And don't ever think that too highly of yourself like you've, you've overcome. You haven't overcome because it's a daily battle. It's a daily battle. And Satan know where your weakness is. So if you pretend as if you have no weakness, when you least expect it, he's going to throw that bait right in front of your face. And you will fall. Because why? Your guard is down. You're not prepared. You have no respect for sin. You have no respect for it. Read 14 and 15 one more time, please, brother. James 1, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See, brothers and sisters, this is, you know, this is high knowledge here of what you're fighting from day to day. What Christ actually meant. When he said, pick up your cross daily and deny yourself. Because Paul's heart was telling him (laughs) what was right. But his flesh was telling him to do what was wrong. That's why you have to deny yourself, brothers and sisters. Your spirit must be stronger than your flesh. It must be. Because if it's not, your reward for the life that you live will be the pits of hell. Why? Because your flesh was leading your path. Your, your flesh was leading you. Listen, your spirit, your mind must lead your body, not the other way around, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother. Going back to the Apocrypha. We're going to Ecclesiasticus, chapter 18, verse 31. Ecclesiasticus 18, verse 31. If thou giveth thy soul to desires that that please her, she will make thee a laugh a laughing stock to thine enemies that malign malign thee. Read thirty one again. I need you to examine this closely. Look at this knowledge here, brothers and sisters. Verse thirty one. If thou giveth thy soul the desires that please her, she will make thee a laughing stock to thine enemies that malign her. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Don't give your soul what it desires. That's why he said prove what's evil to you. See, the body wants to have its free will. And most of the time, the will of the body is contrary to the word of God, brothers and sisters. See, so self-denial is the indispensable token of every true disciple. See, brothers and sisters, read verse, uh, let's see here. Read verse 30, brother. Verse 30. Go not after thy lust, 
but refrain thyself from thine appetite. See? Don't go after those things that your heart is yearning for. Lust after, brothers and sisters. That thing that you lust for, that appetite for, or that craving for iniquity, which does not, you know, is not parallel to the word of God. Why? 31, brother. Verse 31. If thou give thy soul the desires that please her, she will make thee a laughingstock to thine enemies that malign her. See, you will be made a laughing stock if you allow your desire to lead you, brothers and sisters. So don't let impulses or feelings dictate our choices, brothers and sisters. Know when to say no to yourself. That's the key thing. Know when to tell yourself, no, I've gone too far. I've gone too far. No. See, if you don't do so immediately, your mind will begin to manufacture a uh, rationalization. How do we know that? Anytime somebody does something illegal, let's just take the penal, you know, let's just take the judiciary system um, that we all have before us. Before a brother robs a bank or sells some drugs, he's already rationalized in his mind, I have to feed my kids. <laughs> See? Or before the sister swing her butt on the pole, she's already rationalized it in her head. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I need to pay to go to school. So, you know, I'm going to get butt naked and swing down a pole so I can go to school. See? So you must reject it immediately within your mind. When that thought, when the hint of impropriety rises, you must deny it immediately. Because the longer you think about it, you're trying to rationalize it. So for me, I learned this many years ago. When there's something there that comes to my mind that I know is a question whether it lines up to the Bible immediately, I say no. I'm not thinking about it any further. The answer is no. Because if there's a question, then the answer is no. <laughs> That's what the Most High taught me. If there's even a question, the answer is no. Because there is no question for what's right. If you even have to question it or think about it, the answer is no. And you must tell yourself no immediately. Because if you don't, you're already in your mind trying to figure out a way in which it can be okay. See? This is what you take a lifelong journey to discover about yourself, brothers and sisters. Say no immediately. Or your mind, the way it's set up, it will start looking to manufacture a reason why you can do what you know is already wrong. That's your heart telling you not. Don't do it. Tell yourself no. Uh, let's go to... We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. First Corinthians, brothers and sisters, in the New Testament. Chapter 9, verse 27. This is the invitation to a cross, brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. But I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection. Read that again. But I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection. Least that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. It says, I keep my body under subjection, brothers and sisters. Now, if you analyze this closely, you don't have to keep something under control that doesn't have the tendency to get out of control. <laughs> brothers and sisters. See? So, he's already shown himself, his flesh, as an enemy. 
He looks at his flesh as an enemy that have to be in subjection, brothers and sisters. This is where you must, this is that level that we all must go to, brothers and sisters. This is that level. Because you can only stay on the straight and narrow path if you view yourself through these lenses. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, least that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. See? So men and women must be awakened to the duty of self-mastery. Mastery over our passions. This apostle considers his body as an enemy in which he must contend, brothers and sisters. Our body should not dictate to us what we will do. We should dictate to our body what it will do. And notice it says, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Because why? A lot of times people think because they know scriptures or because they teach the Bible or they're a preacher or they have a huge church that they're beyond this. And you have fooled yourself if you think because you teach the Bible that you don't deal with this. Because Paul was teaching the Bible in Romans 7, telling him, you know, telling us, illustrating to us the battle that goes on within himself every day. So for another man who's not half the man <laughs> of Paul, if the man writing the Bible is going through that, what about the man reading it? See? That's why the Bible says, examine yourself before that day, brothers and sisters. See, a man who, or man and woman who, who really is in control, understand weaknesses. Go to a captain or commander in the army. What do they do? They have a portion that finds out their weaknesses. Therefore, they can strengthen that weakness before the enemy does what? Before the enemy attacks that weakness and exploits that weakness. So that's what we must do. You must come to that level where you know, okay, this here puts me in a certain, you know, Satan can use this man right here. He can use my mother or he can use my, my husband or my wife or my child to cause me to go away from the most high on certain things. And then you start working on putting a buffer there. Or he can use this friend because this friend was loyal to me. And, you know, uh, when I was homeless, gave me a place to stay. So I, I have to have loyalty to a person based on that. I know many people who fall to that. Who they had a friend in their youth who was there in a trying time. So now they have an undying loyalty to that person in which they'll go against the most high God to, 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 to seem real. We must understand the fight that is before us, brothers and sisters. The invitation to a cross is fighting yourself. And it's a daily grind. It's a daily battle. And it doesn't get any easier, brothers and sisters. But... This battle, your victory, if you beat this battle, if you overcome, if you contend with this, is the narrow path, brothers and sisters. See, it's not going to be easy to get to the kingdom. Why would it be? That's how you know Christianity is off. And all these other religions that just say, well, yeah, just, you know, just be good. Just be nice. <laughs> just, you know, be a good person and you'll get into heaven. Like, what? What is a good person? Who, you know, who comes up with the definition of what a good person is? You? See? Christ had 12 brothers and sisters. So where the crowd is, that's the broad path. 
Many people will not do what you're going to do, brothers and sisters. If you're here following this broadcast, you've already taken the first step to do what? To take your, you know, to take your vocation, to take your understanding to a higher level. Nobody will be perfect overnight. But once you understand what's required of you, then you work towards that goal immediately. When Christ told the disciples to drop their nets and follow them, they did it immediately. Brothers and sisters, they didn't say, well, you know what? I got school, uh, you know, so let me just put this off for three years till I get my doctorate. <laughs> or I really got to pay off these loans. <laughs> no, if you're going to be a disciple, you drop what you're doing now. You follow him. Let's go to Luke, brother. I'm going to go to Luke 21 and 34. The invitation to a cross, brothers and sisters. The battle we fight daily. Luke 21, verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Take heed to yourself, brothers and sisters, that you don't deal with surfeiting, which is overindulgence of anything, drunkenness in the cares of this life. Why? Because if you deal with any of these things, you will not stay on that path. Brothers and sisters. And 35 says what, brother? For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. See, so we all will fight this, brothers and sisters. We all will fight this. It's a snare on the path to the narrow, on the path to the kingdom. See, brothers and sisters? If you're going to pick up your cross daily, we have to analyze these scriptures and what it's going to take, the cost of discipleship. No man builds a home. He, no man builds a house without first looking at the cost, what it's going to cost them. Let's go to First John, brother, because it says, actually, read 34 one more time. Luke 21, verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surf, surf, surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell in the face of the whole earth. So brothers and sisters, the part that I want you to key, on, key in on is where it says, And the cares of this life. The cares of this life. What is this referring to? 1 John 2 and 15 will tell us. 1 John, brothers and sisters. Not the gospel. We're going to the back of the Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. 1 John 2, verse 15. Love not the world. Do what? Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. See, the cares of the, this life, brothers and sisters. The Bible tells you, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if you do that, you cannot please the Father. Verse 16. For all that is in the world... What's in the world, brother? The lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Brothers and sisters, here John gives us three temptations that are of the world. Read that again. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. See, so every adult human, brothers and sisters, in history has been tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. See, so it's important to be aware of these three areas of temptation. Why? Because every sin we commit will be preceded by at least one of these temptations. Read 15 and 16 again, brother. Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. See? So the lust of the flesh is what? The temptation to satisfy your body, brothers and sisters. The lust of the eyes is to what? To gaze upon things you have no business looking at, brothers and sisters, right? Or to, like like David did when he saw another man's wife bathing, see? So you have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, which is that temptation to feel pleasure from sinful activity. Brothers and sisters, these are things that Satan will provide or, or you know, present to you in order to do what? Set a snare before your feet and keep you off that narrow path. We're going to prove that. We're going to show you that these three lusts were utilized against Christ. And, matter of fact, they were used against Eve, the first sin. Satan used these three forms of temptation, and we're going to prove that. Let's go to Genesis, brother. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, to show you the temptation the snare that was set at Eve's feet. Genesis 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Read that again. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Lust of the flesh. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And what? And that it was pleasant to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. And what? And a tree to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also on her husband with her, and he did eat. See, brothers and sisters, there's three lusts of the world that John illustrated. And all three of those particular temptations were placed before her feet. See? So this is important, brothers and sisters, to understand what Satan's tactics are. What are the tactics of the enemy that he will use? He will use the things that we see. The, the temptation to want to fulfill our flesh and the pride of life to, to be recognized, to, to have more than what you actually have or to have more than what your perception of what you have is. See, we're going to read that again, brother. Genesis 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also honor her husband with her. And he did eat. See? So the Bible fits flawlessly. Let's show you that even Christ dealt with that, brothers and sisters. The same temptations. Same temptations Satan used on us. He'll use one of these three, if not all three, brothers and sisters. Let's prove that. Let's go to when Christ was in the wilderness. In the desert. We're going to Matthew chapter 4. Brothers and sisters. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verse 3 through 10. Brother. Matthew 4 verse 3. 
And when the tempter came, came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones may be that these stones be made bread. Read that one more time, brother. Verse three. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that that these stones be made bread. The lust of the flesh. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So I want you to examine a few things here. Satan used first the lust of the flesh, which was to satisfy his flesh by eating bread, even though he was on a fast. Christ responded with scripture, with precepts. See, that's how you fight Satan. When the temptation comes, you immediately must respond with scripture. You must immediately respond with scripture. Therefore, that's why you study to show yourself approved. <laughs> See? Read, brother. Verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear up Bear thee up, least at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Least what? Least at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. The pride of life. See? Read. Christ said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He's battling with scripture, brothers and sisters. Verse 8. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain. And what happened? And showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. And did what? And showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. The lust of the eyes. And the, sisters. and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. See, brothers and sisters, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the and the, the lust of the eyes, all three used against Eve and the first sin and used against Christ. So you really have to analyze that and examine that, brothers and sisters. Because Satan will use one of those three, if not all three, depending on how much he's trying to get you to fall or how strong you are. See, a lot of us, he don't need to put all three of these on the road. He'll put one and we'll just fall down and, and crumble. Some of us, he's going to have to put all three of these there to even tempt us at all. See, he likes to play with your emotions, brothers and sisters. See? Let's go to Ecclesiastes 15 and 11. We're wrapping it up here, brothers and sisters. This has been an invitation to a cross. Ecclesiastes chapter 15, verse 11. Ecclesiastes 15, verse 11. Say not thou, it is though the Lord that I fell away. It is what? It is through the Lord that I fell away, for thou oughtst not to do the things that he hath hated. Say not thou, he hath caused me to err. Why? For he hath no need of the sinful man. For what? For he hath no need of the sinful man. Brothers and sisters, I need you to analyze that clearly. He said he hath no need for a sinful man or woman. <laughs> That's a powerful statement. That is a very powerful statement for the Most High to tell you to your face, I have no need for you. I can't use you at all. <laughs> I need you really to, to analyze that, brothers and sisters. 
See, the Most High never caused us to err. Why? Because He have no need for a man that's sinful or a woman that's sinful. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 13, the Lord hath all abomination. The Lord hateth all abomination, and they that fear God love it not. Read that again, brother. The Lord hateth all abomination, and they that fear God love it not. Why do we go here? Because it said the Most High hateth all abomination. Yes, the Most High hate, brothers and sisters. Now, I know Christians don't tell you that. They say God, you know, he hates the sinner. Or, excuse me, he hates the sin and not the sinner. That's a lie. That's not in Scripture. And we're going to prove that. The Bible tells you the Most High hate all abomination, and they that fear the Most High love it not, which means what? In order to obtain this kingdom, in order to stay on this path, we must emulate our God. See? The things that the Most High hate, we must also hate. We are to emulate Him. We are to imitate Him, rather. Okay? We are not Him. We are to copy Him. We are to transform our personality into the personality of our God. We're going to prove that, brothers and sisters. All right, Brother Joshua. We'll read Ecclesiastes 15, 11 through 13 one more time, and then we'll move forward to 1 Peter. Ecclesiastes 15, verse 11. Say not thou, it is through the Lord that I fell away. For thou oughtst not to do the... The things that he hated. We ought not to do the things that he hate. Refrain from things that he hate. Say not thou. He hath caused me to err. For he had no need for the sinful man. For what? For he had no need for the of the sinful man. The Lord hateth all abomination. And they that fear God love it not. See? So the things that the Most High hate. It says, The Lord hateth all abomination. And they that fear God love it not. Which means what, brothers and sisters? The things that he hate, you must emulate. You must imitate. The things that he's absolutely repudiated by, you must have that same uh, outlook or perspective. See? We're going to show that. Let's go to First Peter 1 and 15, brother. Especially for Israelites. Israelites are to imitate their God. First Peter, brother. We're going to First Peter chapter 1. Verse 15. First Peter 1 verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy. Read that again. For as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written. What's written, brother? Be ye holy, for I am holy. What's written? Be ye holy, for I am holy. This, this passage, brothers and sisters, Verse 16 magnifies the concept of man's obligation to imitate God in his actions. Man is to emulate God, not impersonate God. He is to imitate God, not personate God, impersonate God. See? Be ye holy, for I am holy, especially for the children of Israel, because the other nations should be able to look at Israel and say, okay, that must be a representation of the Most High. What they're doing, how they're acting, how they're dressing, the foods that they eat. They must be imitating the Creator God, the great I Am, Ahaya, Asha, Ahaya, I Am that I Am, in the Hebrew. See, brothers and sisters? So he's telling you, those who love me hate the things that I hate. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Amos 3 in 3, brothers and sisters. Why? Examine this closely, brothers and sisters. 
Amos 3, verse 3. Can two walk together, except they be agreed? Read that again. Can two walk together, except they be agreed? See, the condition necessary to walk with the Most High is what? It's agreement, brothers and sisters. Can two walk together? How can we walk together if we don't hate the things that he hates? Brothers and sisters, ask yourself that question, please. Please ask yourself that. See, because God chose to withdraw himself from Israel because he realized he had nothing in common with us, brothers and sisters. Israel's having forsaken God's way means there was no longer agreement. We cannot walk together any longer. See? Let's go to Psalms 5 and 4, brother. Follow, follow us to Psalms, brothers and sisters. Psalms 5 verse 4 For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness Read that again For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness Neither shall evil dwell with thee The foolish shall not stand in thy sight Thou hateth, the, thou hateth all workers of iniquity See, let us learn the solemn truth of the hatred Which the Most High must bear towards sin Brothers and sisters So sometimes you gotta tell a person flat out <laughs> Because they're not used to it. Sometimes you got to shock them and tell them, listen, brother, if you think, you know, you can continue to sell drugs to your own people or, you know, deal with homosexuality and not be trying to change, God hate you. Okay? Because people have never heard that before. They believe, you know, God just hates sin and not the sin. No. The Most High hate you, brother. I don't care what your reasoning for selling drugs is. <laughs> the Most High hate you. Okay, you're a brother who or a sister dealing with a plethora of fornication, or, you know, a, plethora, a plethora of flesh peddling. The Most High hate you. Now let's uh, let us be clear here, because we don't want people to take what we're saying wrong. We're not saying that if you sin, that you're trying, you have a sin that you're trying to fight. The Most High hates you. We're saying a sinful lifestyle. That means if your lifestyle is the sin, you're not looking to. To change. The Most High hate you. Read verse 5 again, brother. Verse 5. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hateth all workers of iniquity. We must emulate this. We must imitate this, brothers and sisters. See? God perfectly hateth wickedness and wicked persons. The thought of iniquity is irritation to the Most High. It brings forth a spirit of animosity, brothers and sisters. See? To pick up your cross, deny yourself, you must do what? You must not have pleasure in wickedness. Why? Because he is holy, we must also be holy. Especially as the children of Israel. If another nation want to do something, then that's another nation's business. But I'm an Israelite. Our people are Israelites, which means we represent the Most High God. The things that he hate, we must also hate. And sometimes you got to tell a brother or sister, the Most High hate you. You're not looking to change, and you think you're going to get in, and you know, <laughs> doing this sin, this iniquity. The most I hate you, straight off, because they need a wake-up call. And sometimes you got to put it out plain and simple, flat out, to get their attention, brothers and sisters, because they've been pacified and taught a, a sugary doctrine by the Christian church that you know what God loves you anyway, even though you disrespect Him, you know, go against all His laws, and then say you're covered under grace. Nah. No, nah, the most I hate you. We're going to prove that. Go to Ecclesiasticus 9 and 5, brother, because it shows you that the most high hath no pleasure in wickedness. So what does that mean for his people? 
What does that mean for Israel? Ecclesiasticus 19 and 5. Ecclesiasticus 19 verse 5. Whoso taketh pleasure in wickedness shall be condemned. Read that again, brother. Whoso taketh pleasure in wickedness shall be condemned. But he that resisteth pleasures crowneth his life. He that resists pleasures crown his life. <laughs> See, this is the mark of a true man. So I'm, I'm talking specifically to men, all people, but specifically a man. If you're a man, you understand how to resist pleasure. You understand how to tell yourself no. See? We must be absolutely repudiated at the thought of iniquity. We must reject, renounce, abandon that lustful gratification. See? The Most High have no pleasure in wickedness. Therefore, it told us to do what, brother? Read verse 5. Verse 5. Whoso taketh pleasure in wickedness shall be condemned. But he that resisteth pleasures crowneth his life. See? We must hate sin, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it was the instrument that required Christ's life. Christ had to come and die for our sin. Therefore, we must hate that sin. We must always be in opposition of iniquity, brothers and sisters. In order to make it on this path, we must view sin like the Most High views sin. Let's buffer that point. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus Chapter 13, verse 15, brother. Ecclesiasticus 13, verse 15. Every beast loveth like, loveth his like. Read that again. Every beast loveth his like, and every man loveth his neighbor. All flesh consorteth according to a kind, and a man will cleave it to his like. So a man cleave to those like him. What fellowship had the wolf with the lamb? Read that again. What fellowship had the wolf with the lamb? So the sinner with the godly. See? <laughs> it can't get no clearer than that, brothers and sisters. What fellowship does a wolf have with the lamb? What fellowship does a sinner have with the godly? He's telling you. Every beast loveth his like. So they deal with the same. So why would the Most High be with us? Or why would he give us his presence and we have fellowship with sin? We don't imitate and emulate his hatred for wickedness. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? See? So if you don't have that, that strong disdain for what's ungodly, you have no fellowship with the Most High. Because you don't agree with the Most High. See? Let's go to Psalms 139 and 21, brother. Psalms chapter 139. We're going to read verse 21 and 22, brother Joshua. Psalms 139, verse 21. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. Read that again, brother. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. See? And am I... And am... Not I grieved with those that raise up against thee. Read. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. See, we express our hatred of those who hate the Most High by counting them as enemies, brothers and sisters. This is the position you must take if you want to walk with the Most High God. See? This is the position. Why? To hate a man because he is the foe of goodness and the enemy of righteousness. That's pleasurable to the Most High God. See, 
If you're against the Most High God, if you're against His commandments, then you're against me, and therefore I'm against you. Why? Because if you're not for me, by definition, you're against me. So what are we seeing here, brothers and sisters? <laughs> what are we seeing? Do not I hate them that hate thee? See? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. So what we're reading here is nothing more nor less than an obligation, brothers and sisters. This should illustrate our uncompromising loyalty to the Most High God, brothers and sisters. This illustrates our uncompromising loyalty to the Most High God. How are we to stay on this narrow path if we don't have a hatred for iniquity, if we don't have a hatred for wickedness, brothers and sisters? See? You must be absolutely repudiated by wickedness in order to make it into this straight and narrow path, brothers and sisters. See? If you're double-minded, then you're not getting in, nor do you deserve to get in. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21 and 22. Psalms 139, verse 21. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am I not grieved with those that raise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. See? This is what Israel should do. All people should do that, but specifically Israel. Why? Because we're to emulate the most, uh, imitate the most high God. Hate the things that he hates. If you love him, then you hate the things he hates. Anything that's going to jeopardize what the Most High loves, he hates. Think about it. If you're in a relationship and there's something that jeopardizes the safety of your loved one, you're going to be an enemy of that. <laughs> Plain and simple. Further proof. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 97. We're going to read verse 10, Brother Joshua. Psalms 97, verse 10. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Read that again. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Show our love for the Most High by hating all that is evil, brothers and sisters. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. See? So there can be no true love for the Most High God where evil is not hated. Read that one more time, brother, please. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. So we can't be like the Most High unless we love what he loves and hate what he hates, brothers and sisters. This is, this is obligatory. This is not, you know, this is not a decision. If you love the Most High, you emulate that by loving what he loves and hating what he hates. He hates evil. So you must imitate that in order to make it into the kingdom. To carry that cross. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. He that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. See, if we hate what he hates, he'll deliver us, brothers and sisters. And what we tend to do is fool ourselves, saying that we fear the Most High God, while at the same time, you know, being soft against wickedness. The two don't mix. It's like oil and water. It's, it doesn't mix. How can you love the Most High God but be soft concerning wickedness? <laughs> wickedness and sin and iniquity. We must disapprove of what the Most High God disapproves of, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 6 and 16 to show you some of the things he hates. 
Proverbs 6, verse 16. These six things that the Lord hate. Yeah, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that showeth and he that soweth discord among brethren. These are things that the most high hate. If you love the Most High, you are to hate these things too. That means you're not going to perpetuate any of these behaviors, nor be around people that are perpetuating these atrocities. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 16. These six things that the Lord hate. Yeah, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. Number one, pride. A lying tongue. A what? A lying tongue. The Most High hates deceit because he values truth, brothers and sisters. So he, he values truth because he himself is the source of all truth, brothers and sisters. And hands that shed innocent blood. And what? And hands that, sh that shed innocent blood. The most high values each life. And those who would hurt or kill an innocent one will not go unpunished. And heart that devises wicked imagination. Somebody who always trying to figure out how to do some level of evil. Feet that be swift and running to mischief. Anytime there's some drama or iniquity there, you're there. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. See, somebody who sowed discord or disruption amongst brothers and sisters. Well, did you hear what he said? Did, you, did, did he step on your toe? Yeah, yeah, he stepped on my toe too. He, he's a habitual uh, toe stepper. See, the most high hate these things. Therefore, if you love the Most High, you should hate these things. The key thing, though, is verse 17. Read the first part of that. Verse 17, a proud look. That's it right there. Pride, the Most High hates. Because why? The pride leads to everything else that precedes this. That, that, that if you look at the proud look, everything that come after that come from pride, brothers and sisters. Pride is the beginning of all sin. We're going to prove that. We're going to prove that. Go to Proverbs, brother, 26 and 12 to prove to you that pride leads to all that other sin. Proverbs 26, verse 12. See if thou a man wise in his own conceit. There is more hope of a fool than of him. <laughs> Read that again, brother. See if thou a man wise in his own conceit. There is more hope of a fool than of him. Why? Why? It says there's more hope for a fool than of a man who's conceited or wise in his own eyes. Why is that, brothers and sisters? <laughs> because pride puts a man or a woman in a place where they can't be corrected or they can't receive instruction. See? Pride is a precursor to all other forms of sin. Pride is the soil in which all manner of sin germinates and grows, brothers and sisters. See, so all iniquity starts with pride, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. We're going to Ecclesiasticus 10 and 13 to show you that all sin start with, started with pride. Ecclesiasticus 10 verse 13. For pride is the beginning of sin. Read that again. For pride is the beginning of sin. And he that hath it shall pour out abomination. Read that again, brother. 
for pride is the beginning of sin, and he that hath it shall pour out abomination. And therefore the Lord brought upon them strange calamities, and overthrew them utterly. For pride is the beginning of sin, brothers and sisters. The most, that's why he said pride come before the fall. <laughs> He's going to destroy you. Pride is the commencement of all sin, brothers and sisters. Pride prepares the way to produce other sins. Pride is a vine that produces a multitude of evil fruit, brothers and sisters. And God's loathing of pride is unalterable. Remember, when you go into Isaiah 14, it tells you that Satan or Lucifer fell based on pride. Saying, listen, I deserve to be worshipped like the Most High God. See? All sin begins with pride, brothers and sisters. The Most High have no tolerance for pride. We must hate pride. We must hate proud people. Why? Because the Bible say hate. The Most High don't only hate the sin. He hates the sinner. We'll end it with one last scripture. To prove that he hates the sinner. Go to Ecclesiastes 12 and 6, brother. So don't ever tell me again that God hate the sin and not the sinner. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 6. For the Most High hateth sinners. Read that again. For the Most High hateth sinners. And will repay vengeance on the ungodly. And keepeth them against the might, the mighty day of their punishment. Brothers and sisters, the Most High hateth sinners. <laughs> so sometimes you just got to let them know. No, no, brother, no. The Most High hates you, brother. Because you, you know what you're doing is wrong. You're selling, uh, you know, selling pharmaceuticals to your own people. Yeah, sister, you, you know, you're, you're putting a snare between brothers, shaking your butt on a pole. So now a brother... You know, it's lusting after you. You, you. You're provoking him to sin now. See? No, the most I hate you. Straight off. He hate you. He don't, no. He don't love this, the sinner and hate the sin. Don't work like that. Okay? And in order to do what, brothers and sisters? To accomplish our goal, which is to carry our cross daily into that narrow path, we must imitate the most high God. Read that again, brother. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 6. For the Most High hateth sinners, and will repay vengeance on the ungodly, and keepeth them against the mighty day of their punishment. Give on, give on of the good. Do what? Give on of the good, and help not the sinner. See, don't even help a sinner. <laughs> this is how the Most High feel. For he is holy, we must be ye holy. Give unto the good, and help not a sinner. Listen, I'm not dealing with you at all. Because why? The Most High hate you. And I'm going to stay away from you. I'm not trying to please a man or what a woman think. Or because whatever reason, I'm going to go against my God when he told me to imitate him. He told me to hate those li that lifestyle. Now, there's a difference in a brother or sister trying to, you know, trying to fight and come out of it. Because I know there's homosexuals out there who are trying to fight that lifestyle. They are trying to fight it. They know it's wrong. They know they were not raised that way. And it's a struggle for them that they fight with every day. But you have another group who they bask in the armies. They're flamboyant with it. They love it. They glory in the sin. And the Most High hate you. And it's not just a homosexual. It's a thief. It's a robber. 
It's a fornicator. There's some brothers out there who think sleeping with a lot of women is uh, is masculinity. I'm like, brother, the most high hate you. <laughs> okay? The most high hate you, brother. I don't I mean, you're not cool to me. It's not I'm not impressed. Okay? There's brothers out there who 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 boast about selling drugs. You know, move uh, coke and, and white and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? The most high hate you, brother. And I hate to, you know, <laughs> no pun intended, hate to close it off like that, but in order for me to carry my cross daily and deny myself, I must understand what provokes certain itches. Today's lesson, we discovered that in order to have power to carry that cross, we must receive that power from the source of all power, which is what? Which is the Most High God. We went into the battle that is within us, the flesh versus the spirit, to, to examine ourselves and find our weaknesses. Therefore, we can start to build on our weakness. Don't ignore the weakness. Identify the weakness and strengthen it. We've also learned that we are to imitate the Most High God and love the things that He loved and hate the things that He hate. These are a, this is a combination of things that must be done in order for us to make it on that narrow path, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was the invitation to a cross. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.